Right, guys. Hello and welcome back to the Once You're In, You're In podcast. This is now episode number 18. I've got a meal, so Reese, uh, tell me about your, your prep and I'll, I'll get my meal in while you're, while you're rambling on. Fantastic timing. Um, so hopefully everyone's doing well. Another week ticked off. Uh, we are now sat seven weeks and five days, five days out exciting that's for sure um everything seems to be moving forward in the in the right directions um finn's just adjusting his camera so you can see his meal uh not much bitter his, his arms are just looking fantastic in that medium asos oversized tee that's uh, actually a large nike large nike god mate you're lucky you can still wear large i'm i can't i could do in these nice new like thick oversized tees they're quite nice Mm, I think it's yeah. large. It might be an extra large. I don't think it is, mate. Might be. I I think it'd, it'd be a bit bigger if it was an XL on you. Mate, I'm massive now. You not see that post I put on my story? <laughs> what post? The 200 pound post. Most muscular. Oh yeah, huge, mate. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah, 200 200 pounds. Probably the softest man alive when you get to 210. But you'll be like, oh, I'm still in all right condition. <laughs> I don't think. Uh, well, if I do get to 210, it'll be a, it'll take a while. Yeah. Anyway, like right. So, say so yeah, seven weeks, five days. Um, everything seems good. Feel back to myself uh, post little illness. Uh, obviously, the last podcast we had, I kind of went over an outline of how I was feeling. Um, I was feeling pretty battered. I feel far better from Saturday. Um, I, I felt pretty decent. To be fair, Thursday I felt alright. Like Wednesday, Thursday I was better, and then um, and then I just felt better every single day, uh, which has been a bit of a strange kind of. I, it's strange because I feel better, but I still feel pretty meh. But because I feel better than I did a week ago or a bit longer, I feel really good. So everything seems to be to be pretty decent. Uh, no major changes really since the the last uh, the last podcast. I feel like it's come around really quickly uh, this this week. Mm. But in I think it's because we were on Perrin's podcast the other day, so yeah. I feel like I might be yeah we might be repeating ourselves on that. Um, and as a matter of fact, actually, we'll put up a thing. So I'm not too sure if by the time this is uploaded, Perrin's uploaded it, but Perrin dot Tustin, mm-hmm. that's her name. Yeah, uh, yeah. We were basically guys who are listening to this. If you want more recent Finn content, we actually get interviewed by Parent. It was a real good podcast to be on. I'm not too sure if he's gonna he's gonna split it up into parts. It was like an hour and a half, hour and forty five that we were on it, but it will be split up into a few parts. So check out his Instagram. We'll most likely share it to our stories when it's up. Um, but it was uh, it was actually quite good to be on a podcast where we actually got asked questions. I really enjoyed it. I know you said it was decent. So yeah, that was that. But um, but all in all, from from like an overall kind of standpoint training's in a good spot um nutrition's in a good spot ish get a little bit more hungry like i say hungry energy wise i just feel a bit more like oh i feel like i'd like to have a bit more food available so i feel a bit more myself um but everything else seems to be pretty pretty okay uh visual look is definitely getting there my back is is getting leaner which is um which is nice because my back is very fat in comparison to my front what you looking like? I mean, like fucking. Nah, to be fair, yeah. To be fair, like no, my back is actually, which is that that's the number one. My front, I could be, I could just push aggressively for three weeks and it would be sound. My back's still pretty fat, so um, there's been a slight 
improvement in my back, which is nice from, from a composition standpoint. Um, but it'll be good to see, let's say, a few weeks from now. I'm guessing it will most likely be probably where my front is. And, uh, and therefore, that gives me pretty much five weeks to, to bring it home, should we say. Uh, and I should be all good. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much everything. There's not really too much that needs to be covered upon be made. I think last week, there was a lot. Is there any questions that you have, Finn? Anything that I need to go through? I was say, not made any changes this week, have you? No, not really. Like I, I go through, I think I outlined this a few podcasts ago, but I kind of like the idea of being quite aggressive for a decent amount of time. And I like, I like the thought process of once you're in a deficit and once everything's moving forward, you don't need just to create a bigger deficit. Like there's, there's no real need. If I was miles, miles behind, or let's say if I was miles ahead, there could be reference to almost making bigger changes. But right now, like everything seems to be moving forward in, in the right directions. Cardio um, is, is all good. Nutrition's all good. Training's all good. Like if I can ride this out for as long as possible, then so be it. There will be probably changes coming. Uh, I think I'll be under a couple of weeks. I'd say in like yeah. a week or two, just, yeah. just to get you back, catching up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think like my front, it's, it's, a, it's a strange one because like my front isn't ready. It's not ready. But like, yeah, but it's if not... you, it's not ready. But if you, this is how I quite like to look at it. Yeah. If you, if you stood on stage, you wouldn't look out of place. No. From the front, so. but from the back, you would. Yeah. I think from the front, they, you'd, you'd look at me and go, oh, he's just soft. Not even that much, though. You'd be like, I could be a bit leaner. Like, because obviously you yeah. could, but. Mate, people compete a lot fatter than that. Like, it's crazy. But from the back, you'd be like, shit, he's pretty soft. Like, but from the front, it's almost like with a good tan and good lighting, you probably get away with it. Like, you're not, yeah, you're nowhere near where you want to be. But, mate, you've seen how people compete. Like, I'm saying you wouldn't stand out like a sore thumb being really soft. Yeah, no, I get that. That's fair enough. It's, it's funny to think that because, like, I'm convinced. You don't even feel like, that feel like. Oh no, 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 no. The psychological the component is huge, but yeah, I, I'm like, I'm convinced. I'm like, oh, I'm still fat. Still got because you get into that progressive mindset of like, you're soft, you're fat. You know, you know, you've got more to come off. And like I said, still a good amount. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I'm I'm looking from my front is because I, I put on uh, a decent amount of size over the last little gaining phase. I think the pressing, the barbell pressing, start of the year, like getting my numbers up, like frequency was in a good spot. Progressions were the best they ever were on presses. I feel like, in a way, the muscularity that I added has almost masked not the the level of condition, but my front looks leaner because I have more muscle on my front. That's pretty simple where my back has always had a decent amount of tissue there, but it's also a place that I seem to hold a, a decent amount of fat on as well. So it's almost just one of them. You were saying like the width is really good, but it's still fat. Like it's, it's funny because I, I haven't lost any width on my back. Like it's not where I'm like looking narrower and it's like, right, your back's just looking a bit flat or there's less of a pop. Like my, my, my back, my mid back, my, my upper back's pretty spot on. Like my upper back is quite lean. It's more so just like my mid to lower back. That's just very, very soft. It's just a detail. Like, yeah. I'm the opposite. Like when I start to get lean, like I start seeing like veins and shit in my back, like pretty early doors. Whereas like I won't on my delts on my chest or anything. You're the complete opposite. Like yeah. my like mid and upper back's like not peeled, but when I'm lean, like that's one of the first places that you're like, oh shit, look at like the separation in all my back. You're the yeah. complete other way around. Yeah, yeah. It's literally like I'll have probably twelve veins on my left delt, like seven on my right. I've veins on my Been chest. 
I, yeah, I know the left one's 12. <laughs> so it's just a case of counting how many. And uh, But then like, it's literally the opposite way around. I've seen a few veins on like my mid to upper back, but like I say mid to upper back, upper back, mid back still shit. Um, but yeah, we just uh, just need some vaso burn on there, mate. That's what it will be. But no, I think, um, like I said, if it was an even kind of distribution, it would be sound because I'd be like, right, well, I just know that I have more to come off. But it's almost that case of I'm like just trying to play ball and see what I can get away with. Because at the end of the day in, in physique, is, it's not a sense of just being mind-blowingly skinny and shredded. You want to be full. You want to be in really good condition. Like at the end of the day, I'm not stepping on stage soft. I, I will be, I'll, I'll like quote it, I will be pretty much like fat free. I will be fat free. It's not where I'm going to be stepping on stage if I wasn't. But there is that degree where if I was to push too far, like my fullness right now and my delts, my chest is all good. I'm happy with that. But I don't want to push too hard, get my back in ready early and then be like, right, now I'm playing, not catch up. My front just looks a bit skinny, which is easily done. It depends. If you're early enough, then you'll fill up into it and you'll be sound. But if you're doing that in the last week, trying to get your back in the still, like you'll struggle to fill up. But you'll be sound, mate. Don't stress. That's the one I'm not doing yeah, it's, it is easier said than done not to stress. But at the end of the day, like I'm more so looking at it and I'm thinking, well, it's funny because I've been I, like, I know obviously there's not too much relevance to take from this, but like I was thinking, I got to um, the, the the state of condition I was in Cuba, um, and that was in eight weeks, and I was honestly like ridiculously fat in comparison to now like i could get to that condition in three weeks if i was to be like right foot on the gas let's go yeah, so like i said yeah exactly so everything seems good it's almost just that halting i'd almost rather if i'm honest and this sounds quite peculiar but i'd almost rather be like quite far behind so i don't even have time to be even weighing up the pros and cons and i'd just be thinking right i need to diet i need to get rid of this fat like that's all I, I, mean. I think it's a good like i almost think if, if that was the most optimal way that'd be good to just be like really aggressive and just attack it and be like yeah only goal is dieting really yeah but it's just not the best way to do it even though like no. psychologically it probably is because you can just solely focus on being aggressive and, and getting it done yeah no I, I agree completely so um yeah more so the the mental kind of I'm not going to say that like, the last week is because it hasn't been like um, it, it's funny. Like, like can't hack it, can you? Just can't hack it. No, can't hack no. It mentally. I'm going to pull out a prep. Reese pulls out a prep. That's the title of this one. <laughs> Imagine Reese pulls out a prep, announces it live on air. I can't, I just can't do it anymore, guys. Proper break um, No, yeah, but no, everything seems good. Um, uh, it'll be funny. What I'll do is I'll do what some people do where they, uh, you know, and you know they're not going to be ready and then they just bottle it three weeks before. They'll be like, oh, like a month, two months before, a month before the show, a week before the show. That oh, I can't compete, can't compete. There was there was a lad that I used to train really bad with, injury. yeah, who did something like that, and it was where like I said to him when he started, I, he was doing it for uh, like um, his, his sponsor, and he was like, I don't really want to, and I said, you won't stick it through then, and he was like, no, no, I will, and he did like eight weeks, he got like twelve weeks out, and then he was like, oh, I'm not doing it. And I was like, there we go. <laughs> Literally, you got to a point where things started to get more challenging and you just didn't want to do it. Like sound, just admit you didn't want to do it. And he was like, no, no, no. It just, you know, it was, it was, it was this, it was this, getting the way of my life. I said, just say you didn't want to do it. Like, it's fine. Yeah. You know, not everyone wants to. But 
yeah, like I said, everything seems to be moving forward in the right directions. Um, I can't really ask for much more where I'm at currently. Um, and uh, and everything's everything's good. Um, have you finished your meal? Do you want to give an update on yourself or do you want me to, to carry on for, for a bit? Very close, mate. Just say a few more words and then I'll be done. Okay, fair enough. A um, few more words. Um, like I said, if I was thinking over my last week, haven't really done anything other than the podcast um, with, with Perrin. So that's pretty much it. That's it. That's it for me. I've absolutely nothing. Please, Finn, take the mic. I'm ready. I'm in. <laughs> You're in. Go for it. Right. Shoot. How has your last week been, mate? Yeah, it's been good, man. Um, not much to report. I think I'm questioning my leg frequency a little bit because my second leg session every week, which is the one at Ultraflex only after two rest days, is just the past like two, three weeks, it's just been absolutely battering me. And I don't really feel like it's been that productive. Like it's almost just been one of those sessions. Like, oh, it was all right. And like all my other sessions at the minute are really, really good. So I'm questioning that. Uh, I'm going to run with it still tomorrow and see how it goes. Oh, well, Thursday, sorry. See how it goes. But that's the only thing that I'm really questioning. That's a bit of a, not, not, it's not an issue, but, just something to be thinking about in regards to training. Otherwise, things are, are all good. Um, outside of that, not much to report. Uh, I'm just getting really good at bowling, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. I ain't yeah. got much exciting to it. To be fair, like, I feel like, obviously, a prep, I guess it's, you know, there's more to talk about, but it's still just, just dieting. It. Like, and all, all I'm doing is just gaining. Yeah. Like, it's not people, that people are just more interested. Like, you're just like, oh, I ate more food this week. I know. Oh. I could go on to like all my food and everything, but I just don't think it's not as necessary because obviously, when you're prepping, there, there are more things. Every minor change makes a difference. Whereas, like, for example, like if I was like, oh, I've increased my calories by 25, people aren't going to be like, oh. Like, whereas for well, you, like, 100 extra calories. Yeah, wow. Like, no, like, it doesn't matter. So, but yeah, to be fair, I'm feeling pretty good. Like, the past about, to be fair, obviously my body, my body weight's been gaining like really, really gradually. But I'd say for your the past... Your face hasn't been gaining gradually though. Your face is fat as anything. It's not. I don't know what you're on about. Guys, look, people who are watching on the YouTube, Finn, move your head away from the mic just for a split second, just so we can see your face. We want, I want to compare. Finn was saying yesterday that his face isn't that fat. No, stop, stop sucking not, your cheeks. It's really not talk. that fat. <laughs> it's not that fat. It's not that excessively fat. Yeah, but it, it's getting. I think it's getting to the stage, mate. Two ten will be will be hilarious when you get there in a year. Like that'll be it. No diets in a year. You'll be spot on. But gaining at the rate I'm gaining that, I can't imagine it'd be that bad. You know, two ten. Two twenty would yeah. be a joke. Like I'd just be a fat mess. Do you reckon? Do, do you reckon? reckon you, you know, if you got to like two fourteen, do you reckon you'd be thinking? Ah, uh, let's see. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> mate, I got to 247 and I was literally like, I was so close. I was thinking, do I just delay prep for a week and just hit 250? I was literally, I was t- well, so tense. Like, the only thing is, you're just getting fatter. Like, it's literally no benefit yeah. other than a number that you see on a scale. So, oh, yeah. I think I would, I think I'd mentally be able to sort of restrain myself from doing it because it just wouldn't yeah. be beneficial. But, yeah, I, I feel like last. To last last couple of weeks, I've looked a little bit better. Um, yeah, I just I feel like it's very similar to like dieting. It's almost like you establish a weight and then you get better at that weight and then you might drop again and then you get better at that weight and then you drop again. Same when you're gaining, like if even more so because 
the longer you spend there, like the better that you you look, uh, especially if your training is still progressing. Like on the food I'm on and that, I don't need to be aggressively like pushing body weight up. So I'm happy to just sort of hold and, and gradually push up, like literally gaining really slowly um, and and just trying to, when, when I feel like I can get away with a bit more food, I'll just add it in. And if it, if it gradually pushes my body weight up, then great. And then I'll hold again for a bit and then push up and hold like, that's just how I'm going to do it. Otherwise I'll just push on aggressively and then I'll need to diet and I'll just do that sort of endlessly, which I'd, I'd rather, I'd rather spend more time gaining or holding than, than dieting. I just don't yeah. think, I think the, I'm not going to say the days are gone of doing a bulk and a mini cut and a bulk and a mini cut because they're not, but no. I do think that in the position I'm in, it doesn't make sense to be like, I need to see the scales going up because I don't like my training is going to be no better really if i'm you know eating a bit more food and 205 pounds and eating a tiny bit less than 202 pounds like it's not going to be like crazy different or anything like that i'm i'm in that spot now where i'm happy to to hold or gain really really slowly yeah no i think that's i think that's a mature outlook i feel like a lot of people chase not only a scale but like they chase kind of that psychological pressure of like i need to be heavier than this i need to get to this weight and in reality when you're starting out training there's definitely merit even when you're not starting out training there's merit but for the vast majority of individuals earning the right to have body weight at a set point that's almost what you want to be focusing upon and like you mentioned there's going to be zero benefit for you to be five pounds heavier other than that's five pounds sooner that you'd have to diet because that just kind of cuts off the runway for where you're at at this current phase so it makes sense mate if i'm honest like Again, like if it's just a couple of pounds here or there, like training's in a good spot until you notice some negative feedback, which in reality you're not. Like you're not going to all of a sudden wake up one week and be going, oh my God, I need to push up an extra three pounds, you know? Like there's right, it's one of them though. Like even now, the food I'm on and how my training's going, like although it doesn't really look like obviously because I like post my weight on the story and that, it doesn't really look as though my body weight is going up. But obviously, I track it every day, like in my sheets, and I'm I'm still gradually creeping yeah. up. I'm gaining at like 0.25 to 0.5 pounds a week. So like that's not yeah. that slow. Like if you think about it, that's no. like one to two pounds a month. That's, that's quite. But fast. the problem like, is you don't you don't see it because there's those inconsistencies yeah, and exactly. outliers. Yeah, which and is like the second like, you get to a certain body weight, how many times have you have with a client, you'll see their body weight and you'll be thinking they haven't gained weight in the last three months you actually check they're like two and a bit kilos or like five pounds up and you're like oh it's because it's such a marginal when i very rarely look at right yeah it's never a linear scale yeah i just look at the average and uh, like clients will say all the time won't they like oh this happened my weight this happened and i'm like yeah but look at the average number that's all that really matters like the only time i'll I'll not really take that average into as, as sort of strong a consideration is if there's a reason why the average has changed, but then the past like five or six days, it's like, it's, it's stalled or whatever. Let's say like yeah. Sonny, for, for example, today, last week, like mate, he dropped like three pounds and obviously like during a prep pretty aggressive. Like he's not that yeah. far out, but we can still like, it's quite, I'm happy for it. Getting away with it. It's all good. But he's actually been the same weight for the past five days. So even though his body weight across last week, was three pounds down his actual body weight over the past five days was like pretty much the exact same so we still made a change even though usually like especially if he wasn't prepping i wouldn't have made a change hold off weight down we don't need to make any changes but because it's like when he's prepping and we've still got a good amount to peel off we want to keep that sort of ball rolling just make slight changes but only because of like of the the fact that it's stalled over the past four or five days 
but yeah like when you're gaining I think like I, I guarantee if I was to look back on my google sheets at my weigh-ins I bet like six weeks to eight weeks ago I probably had a 200 pound weigh-in or well, maybe not maybe about six weeks ago and like today I weighed in at 200 pounds 200.75 but I'm still six weeks, no progress yeah but uh, yeah I've, I've not grown at all I've not even <laughs> I've not progressed any lift but like across the averages I'm still very gradually creeping up like you say like most mornings now I'm like 201 or 202 rarely I'll be 200 I haven't seen a 203 yet can't wait gonna be massive when I get to 203 yeah literally every pound now it's gonna be a game changer but no that's fair enough mate give an update Do, um, give an update on Sonny and Slayer something that so okay. if you want to we, I don't think you've actually outlined it basically Finn has two clients are competing this guy Slater is a week and a half out yeah Wow, crazy. And then Sonny is seven and a half? Six and a half. Six and a half. Yeah, go for it. Give a quick update on him because I think a few listeners would like to. I was thinking about getting Slater on. I was thinking about getting Slater on at some point. I just don't know when we'd do it because he's very busy as well, mate. um, But that'd be good. He's so busy. got so many check-ins. He is busy, mate. He's too busy posing. That's all he fucking does now. Just pose, pose like all the time. Um, (laughs) It would be good to get him on at some point. I might chat with him about it. Um, but yeah, Slater's one and a half weeks out, so he competes next Sunday. Uh, his first show is the BMBF Midlands, and then he's competing the week after at the UK DFBA Northern. Um, so yeah, first show's in Birmingham, second show's in Manchester. Um, he's looking pretty good, to be fair. He's, we've still got a little bit to come off, like his glutes, his hamstrings, a little bit off the midsection. But like I was saying to you earlier, like he wouldn't, he wouldn't look out of place at all if he competed now like he's, he's he's ready but there's more to come off you know what i mean like because he's a first-time competitor as well like and obviously he's got a good amount of muscle but not in some areas like his his delts his arms his chest even his quads to an extent are all like strong areas that we've been able to get lean pretty easily because they're, they're they're good areas but then his glutes his hamstrings and even his back taking a little bit longer to to get in partly because that's where he holds more fat but also because they're weaker areas so we've already been speaking about like his uh his program for for the off season where we're just going to be like annihilating his back and his hamstrings which will be good i'm excited to program for it already but yeah he's looking good with plans all in place and um, the goal right now is just to keep digging he's got cardio in every day um we've we've like, added that in recently not a huge amount on his leg days um he's got an hour on his rest days um, I'd have to get his sheets up to remember exactly what else he's got. But he's got cardio every day. Um, his food's not stupidly low, but it's low enough. Like it's not, he's not on a lot of food. Um, but he's still feeling good. He's still energetic. He checks in every morning. He's checked in every morning for like the last month or the last two and a half weeks. Obviously, it's going to be like the last four weeks of prep. Um, but yeah, generally things are looking good. We're just digging for more condition for the next pretty much like, what is it now, eight or nine days? And then we're planning on filling up from the Thursday. Um, so it'll be Thursday, Friday, Saturday, where we're going to fill up, drop expenditure right down. It's unlikely that we'll manipulate electrolytes or even water, to be honest. We might make some adjustments with water, but probably not, just because the, the the more that we do, the more complicated it becomes and the more stress that there is on Slater. And that, that's the the goal of a, a, the first time prep is to minimize that completely. And like, that's why I communicate with him a lot. Like any questions he has, I'm like, just talk to me because if he's stressing about this or that, or worrying about what he's supposed to do with his tan or his hair removal or what uh, shower gel can he use and this and that, like, you know, it, it just creates unnecessary stress. So 
all of that's covered, outlined. We've got the plan in place. We don't know exactly um, what we're going to, or the exact amount we're going to refeed on, but we did a, or fill up on, I should say. Um, but we did a refeed last weekend, gave us a bit of data. He was up by a couple of pounds after that. So probably going to do something similar, but maybe over an extra day. But all it's like at this stage, it's literally just playing it day by day, which is I actually, I love it. Like every morning now, it's like I get up, I do my routine. My first thing that I do when I do work is get around to Slater's little mini feedback. Um, yeah. And it is cool. Like, cause it's like different changes every day. I've got a video of him every day, little update, go through his sheets, make any adjustments we need to make. So it's in like quite an exciting time right now. Um, but yeah, he'll be good. He will be very good, mate. He'll be very good as a novice. Um, it's just a case of bringing up those weaker areas in the off season. There's nothing we can do now. Like I said that to him, you know, the, the weaker areas now, they, they're still going to be weaker areas when you compete, whether we get them leaner or not, they're still going to be weaker areas. Um, it's just a case of really focusing on bringing those up when we come to, to pushing back up, which he's happy to do. Like he's already sort of looking forward to that. I was like that. You know, get to the, like, you'll probably be the same. Like a week or two out, like the closer you get, the more you're excited to push back up. It's oh, like, mate, I'm already, no, I'm already thinking about that. Yeah. I, I, I think about that like the second I go into a diet. I'm like, oh, like I need more muscle here. The annoying thing is, and I, I, I think I said this to Big Jermaine. Jermaine was asking about body parts, and I was like, honestly, I said for physique, I was like, biceps, maybe. I was like, I could do quads. Quads what, that work. you need to bring up. Yeah, like I, I was really almost don't. like, my red adults are sound. My red adults. That was a running joke. That was was a pretty poor joke. But no, my rears are sound. Not a joke, uh, mate. Think, Everyone's just being honest with you. Yeah, just got told by three people in about six months you need more rear delt. So, ah, oh, cheers, mate. Thanks. Such a hard body part to bring up that. But no, um, but yeah, the quads and quads and biceps is is my 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 thought process for for myself. But quads, I don't even need that for physique. But it's more so, I'd like better quads. So, yeah, my adductors are solid, which makes my legs look less shit. My hamstrings are decent. My quads are pretty average. My biceps are okay, but I think they could be better. Triceps are decent, and everything else is all right. So, yeah, that's pretty much the the the, the plan of action. But no, whenever I go into a diet, I always think, oh, the second I my, my food's up, what can I prioritize on? I think that's quite normal. Like I'm eight weeks, and I'm thinking, yeah, well, I wonder what I can get away with. I wonder what I can do instead. Yeah. So yeah, and and I think like for the what most about, part. Oh, carry on most part of a diet you you're not like when it gets to the challenging end you start to think like that but think like probably for the first what i don't know maybe eight ten weeks of your diet like as the, the prep like you probably weren't thinking about pushing back up you were thinking about like enjoying the prep yeah, yeah, like, yeah then you get further on it and you're like you're still enjoying it but you're sort of thinking about afterwards already like oh what, what can i do like what food yeah. can i have in that yeah yeah, yeah. The client says to me, mate, I can't get my carbs in. I'm like, please get your carbs in. I, I'll eat them for you if not. Yeah, like, someone's going to eat like, easy carbs to have and you're like, oh, yeah, I was having no, that. Yeah, no, it's not that bad yet. It's not that bad yet, which is good. Um, but no, when it comes to Sonny, quick update, mate. How's he doing? Sonny's sound, six and a half weeks out. Uh, he's It's a bit of a, more of a difficult one with Sonny because it's a longer period that the shows are going to be across. So we're... <laughs> Almost like we're going to be in a good spot for the first show, but I think he'll be better later on in the season. Um, simply because, mate, like if if we do all the shows that we're projected, he's not going to be done until like November time. So it's ages yeah. yet. Whereas Slater's happy to just do these two qualifiers and then he's he's done um, because he's he's not he's going into like a, he's doing an MBA with his work and at for uni. Um, and it's the MBA. 
He's going to the tall. NBA. Yeah, he's he turned into two fair. Yeah. He'd probably do all right in basketball because he's that tall. Um, yeah. But yeah, Slater's not. Although I do think if Slater if Slater was to like win both of his shows as a novice, I've said to him like, "Would you not want to do the finals?" And he's like, mm, "I don't know." Like so, we'll see what happens there. Um, but either way, Sonny's got more shows planned, so we're having to be a bit more sort of tentative with that. We can't just be like, "Right, we're focusing on two yeah. weekends." We've got like a longer period, so we'll have to have a bit of a recovery period depending on if he, if he qualifies in the first show then depending on how he looks we'll probably just be able to push on until the next show which is only a month after if he doesn't qualify then it's seven weeks so we'll likely do like a recovery period for one to two weeks where we're back up at maintenance maybe gain a little bit of weight and then push on again um, but where he's at now is good um, he's dropping at a good rate uh, he's on a lot of food still cardio is not too bad he's on a lot of steps but that's just because of his work um but yeah, his posing's improving massively. That's where that's the main focus really at the minute, because like, he's coming in nicely. He's he's on track to to be in, in a good spot. He just needs to keep practicing his posing because he's he's not like I wouldn't say it doesn't come naturally to him, but it's more so the confidence thing. Like you can tell that like, he's not that confident yet in hitting the poses, but he's getting a lot better and his transitions are getting better. Just got him posing like all the time. Um, but yeah, he's is his uh, posing as bad as my right side. He hasn't got a bad side, you know. That's mental. I know. So Both of his sides pretty much as good. My left like, side is yeah, sound. Yeah. My right side's awful. I have no flexibility in my right side, so I can't twist. <laughs> it's annoying. Yeah. I don't know. He's, he's, I, I think one side he does get into more naturally, but they're both pretty yeah. good. His posing is, is getting a lot better. Um, but That's yeah, there's, obviously it's a little bit further out for, for Sonny, so there's not as much to discuss. But the main sort of focus, like I say now, is making sure that he doesn't like just fucking die out. We don't want it to be... Like pushing him so hard into this show, and then he's got to try and maintain show condition or stage condition for however long. Like, it's not really going to be ideal. So, yeah, he's, he's he's in a good spot, and it's just a case of just trying to keep again, like with Sonny, just trying to keep his stress low. He's asked me a few times, like people are saying that I'm on too much food, and I'm like, mate, your your situation is completely different to anyone else's. Like, they probably don't do twenty thousand steps a day at work. They don't train as hard as you. Like Sonny trains fucking hard. Like he does. He puts a lot into his sessions. His sessions are like three, four hours, like our sessions. Like mm. he puts a lot into his training. So you can get away with being on over three thousand calories when you diet. Like when your expenditure is that high and when you train as hard as he does. Obviously, you know there's room to pull it down, and we will be pulling it down as we go. But I think you know he he didn't expect it, but a lot of people that he maybe talks to, or a lot of people, a lot of people do sort of just think as soon as you start a prep. You're fucked, yeah. You're doing like my, cardios yeah. every day. It's like, no, yeah. that's the last thing. Yeah. The worst thing I you said this do. before to you about like the guy that I trained with. First prep, his coach was like, right, take all this stuff, do a 45 minute fasted run in the morning, right like eating no carbs, like literally, like his non training days were like probably trace carbs. Like it was literally just veg and protein and like, is, maybe like 20 fat. The, the no, bad thing is where... that gets people in shape, so that's why people yeah. think it works. But yeah. like, you could be so much better by not doing that. Like, oh yeah, definitely. People definitely. can get anybody can get peeled doing that. Like, but you probably be skinny and look like shit as well. And then you're competing. Like, oh, at least I was peeled. It's like, yeah, but you've got no yeah. muscle. Or, you, yeah. or even if you have got a lot of muscle, you could have been loads better by doing it properly. But yeah. it's because well, it works, so don't change it. It's like yeah, but it, it doesn't really. Like. Yeah. It just, it, there's a lot of, it's like there's you know, more than one way to do it. And yeah, that way you can get lean, but it's definitely not the, the most optimal way of doing it. Yeah, no, agreed. Right. So we'll go into the questions. Uh, I got asked a fair few. Uh, did you get many? 
don't know, mate. I've not had a chance to have a look. You know what I did get asked, mate? We got asked about by about five people. What did you think of James Smith's PT post about yeah. Hollywood? I, if I'm honest, yeah. I haven't read it. Like I literally scrolled through. I saw it, everyone's replied. And then I read through the comments and I, I thought I saw Thorburn say he's got a pigeon chest, which yeah. is class. Literally, yeah, I that. like, I don't I didn't actually read the really I promise you, I just skimmed through it and thought, oh, well, he, if I'm not mistaken, and I should have read it, but isn't it just him saying that, like, it's driven off insecurities and stuff like that? That's what I read. And then that was Basically, it. he's just not a fan of bodybuilding. That's all he's saying. And, but, okay. it's, it, but how he puts it across is maybe a bit... Like if you generalize, he's you generalizing are. it a lot, and it's yeah, a bit yeah. sort of like it doesn't really. It relates to probably how a lot of people see bodybuilding, how and a lot of people that do compete maybe are in that kind of boat. But you can't generalize it completely, and I just. But I also think that I get why people are pissed off because he's got such a massive following, and let's say like a lot of people who are maybe getting into bodybuilding or quite like liking training and maybe thinking of it might read that and go, "Oh yeah, I don't like it either." which I don't like because he's like influencing people who are easily influenced. But I think for like people who aren't influenced, easily influenced, make your own mind up. Like you don't need, everybody's resharing it to the story. This is exactly what you, obviously what he wants. Oh, like, yeah, mate. He's not All an he idiot. Is, he goes off like just controversy. Yeah, exactly. He puts like, up controversial and, content yeah. so that he gets shares and comments and loads of people are talking about it. Like we are now, so we shouldn't. But I just think like make your own, have your own opinion. Like, Anybody can put anything on social media. You don't have to get fucking upset about it. Like he's not targeting at, at you. And even if he's against bodybuilding, and he, people can slate whatever they like. Like don't let it. I don't know why everybody's getting so upset. He's got an opinion. Fair play. Like yeah, whatever. Like that is literally all I think. But the only thing I don't like is that people who are easily influenced, if they tag on to that and be like, oh yeah, same. I don't like that because it may be pulling people away from bodybuilding, which is a sort of a way of life that can really help a lot of people. You know what I mean? So yeah. I don't like that, but I do just think still, even so you need to make your own mind up. You shouldn't be that easily influenced on anything. Good answer. Right. Move on. Have you got questions? Do you want to go? Yeah, man. Um, Charlie Everill. Thanks for the question, Charlie. Hope you're good, mate. How to deal with clients that are checking in late slash not adhering, etc. Ooh. Um, so firstly, as Finn said, Charlie, hope you're all good, mate. Um, appreciate all the comments. Uh, haven't actually seen a comment of him now for about a month. So um, where are you at? I didn't know. Hopefully everything's going well. Um, but it's, it's a challenging one. And this is something that I'm not going to like guess your clientele, but just based off where you are relative to, to like where I was. Um, when you start out coaching, when you, you're in the first like year or so, me and Finn have had plenty of clients who are, who are those kind of typical check-in late. There's not much, there's not too much respect. It's from their line to you, unfortunately. And it's almost some people that you work with even now. And me and Finn will have people that sign up, seem really sound. They seem up for it. Everything's spot on. And then they check in late. And it's, it's almost where I try and remind them what, what they're doing. I'm quite honest. Um, it's something that I've built up a skill towards because you don't, when you're starting out coaching, I'm not saying he is starting out coaching. I'm not actually too sure. I know he's coached now for a decent amount of time, but you can almost sometimes undervalue and like not have too much confidence within yourself and within your service. And that's quite normal when you're starting out. 
where if I was to have a client now, I'd almost say, right, these, I say to them, I'm very, very strict when they, they start up. And I say like, this is pretty much the only non-negotiable throughout the whole coaching process. I'm not obviously just a, a bell end and say, if you check, if you check in late, you're not going to get your check in. It's more so just give me a heads up, but this you need to maintain. So the, the service I can provide for the rest of my clients stays consistent. And it's not where I'm just kind of downgrading other areas so I can fit your check in. I compare it and it's such as like three people going up, getting up to, to go to work at 9am but being told oh i can't what well, you can't work till 2pm you'd be sat around going well what do i do you know that's almost what you have to think about so i'd remind them i'd kind of give them from the get-go what you expect from them and then there should be that level of respect if you're getting back to their whatsapp messages if you're giving them their form and feedback if you're adherent with their like check-in process and protocols they should therefore have some level of respect towards you and if not then that's their loss and they're the clients you don't really want to work with so it might be a shame short term to be like oh i've lost a client or whatever but i'd much rather tell someone honestly this isn't going to work than for me to say yeah and be naive and then end up where i'm I'm stressing myself out because a guy's not checking in on time yeah good answer mate i would say um, on top of that like in regards to not adhering so let's imagine they are checking in yeah. but they're not adhering i think a good something that i've learned you know just in in my experience with coaching people is is break it down a little bit so don't just be like right you're not doing this you're not doing this you're not doing this you're not doing this because there's a lot in, if you if you're trying to maximize everything that you're doing there's a hell of a lot, really. Like, if you break it down, it's simple. But if you're going to them, right, your sleep's not good enough, you need to improve your sleep. And you're, you're too stressed, you need to reduce your stress. And you're not hitting your protein, and your carbs are way too high, and your fats are way too high, and you're not getting your steps done, and your cardio is not done. Like, if you're doing all that, it's like, shit, there's so much to do. If you say to them, right, let's just focus on one thing for next week. I've had a client who I literally said to him, I want you to hit 200 protein every day. I don't care what else you do. Yeah, literally if you don't sleep if you don't even train i don't care because that you haven't done that yet and that is your protein target so i want you to focus on that because i say i don't care if you don't train but usually his training is absolutely sound yeah so we don't have to worry about that his sleep routine is not too bad so we don't really have to worry about that so break things down and make things a little bit easier for people because in the past i've i've just gone through check-ins like when i was first starting just going like right you need to do this this needs to be better this needs to be better but Obviously, people aren't doing it for a reason because they're either struggling or because they don't see the benefit of it. Try and teach people the benefit of it as well. And what you'll notice as well, as soon as these types of clients have a good week, they'll be like, oh, shit, mate, this week's been so good. I don't even know why. And then you look at their data and they've hit their food target pretty consistently. They've been getting eight hours sleep every night. They've said that their stress is low. They've maybe had a week off work. And they're like, I don't know why this week's been so good. And it's like, because you're doing what I've been, I've been telling you to do over the past however many weeks. So try and show them that benefit of actually adhering and, and the results that they can get and, and educate them on why. Don't just sort of say, do this, do this, do this, without any real backing as to why they should do that and the benefit that they can get from that. But like Reese said, you're going to have some people, and uh, one thing I learned when I was personal training is you can't help everyone. Like you're going to have some people who aren't willing to, to put in the work that they need to. You, you know, Everybody's going to have those clients every now and again that want 100% results, but they're going to put in 20% of the work and then question why they're not getting results. And sometimes they're just, they're just people that are in the world that we have to accept. Mm -hmm. like, and, and that's, you know, it's a shame, but that's, you know, the, the, the reality of, of where we are. Like a lot of people don't really understand the, the work that you maybe need to put in to properly see results. They just think, oh, I've got a coach now, so I should, I should improve. Um, yeah. So you always just, some, some people, you can help them as much as you like and you can give them everything possible and you can take it from every different avenue 
if they're still not really willing to be coached, then you almost have to accept that. And like we say, maybe just say to them, look, you know, you're, you're causing me more stress than it's worth. You're not getting results, which ultimately isn't going to help you or my business. So there's no real point, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like you can take someone's money all you like, but realistically it's not going to benefit your business long-term and it's not going to make you feel good as well. Like if they're not checking in and not talking to you, it's not going to benefit either of the, the, the sides of it. So I think, you know, it's one of them where you want your business to grow and you don't want to lose clients, but sometimes you need to lose clients to step, actually step forward. Yeah. And prioritize the people that actually check in and make sure that they're, they're adhering. Yeah. You'd rather have like 10 really good clients than like 30 who yeah. maybe you've got five good ones and 25 who are a bit shit, you know, just cause you'd be yeah. earning more money. You'd rather have 10 who are doing really well and getting really good results because it, it not only looks good for you, but it makes the job like a lot more enjoyable. Yeah, there's nothing worse than if you have a, like a poor client and like every time you met, they message you, you're thinking, oh God, I hope they've yeah, trained this week. Wrong now, there's like, nothing worse. Yeah, and it just drains you and then that will impact your service elsewhere. So prioritize yourself, have some confidence, kind of speak about the issue um, and then address it head on. Like, that's literally what I would go for. Um, Finn got it spot on. Start off on the basics. There are some people that you, you start off with and you go, oh, I wonder if they're going to be good. Like this is going to be a bit of a challenge. And then after a month, they're spot on. But that's because you've slowly kind of changed that behavior. And the behavioral change is something that is a skill that you'll develop. So it's almost going through a step-by-step process and you, you're not actually going through a step-by-step process, but you technically are. But you're not kind of saying, right, week one, we're doing this. Week two, we're doing this. But you can slowly transition an individual to, to be in an optimal position uh, that's for sure and um, funnily enough mate i got two questions and they're not questions um so ethan fielding do you remember the guy who works at uh, progress or he worked at progress yeah. you're looking insane bro next question jay manchester fit are you going to be ready for your comp in time question mark nervous face no. and i was a bit like it's funny that like it's, it's funny social media you're like oh no i read it i was like oh god um do you want to know the funny thing about this um I, this might be a bit of me being childish but um about a year and a half ago he competes in physique believe it or not he from leeds um about a year and a half ago he replied to one of my stories saying like um oh you might be one you might be competition one day winky face and i think i'm 20 kilos heavier than him and about four years younger so i think that would be quite funny <laughs> so yeah I'll, I'll leave it at that but no um appreciate appreciate both uh, to answer yeah i'm uh, i'll be i'll be confident i'll be confident um anyway i thought that was quite funny uh we have uh zach zach Feeve. um zach Feeve. i got his surname wrong last time i think i said feve and he, he said it is Feeve. uh how much strength if any do you think you've lost in your cut so far um so it depends on movements like for example could i flat bench 180 kilos for two again no i get crushed um any movement patterns that have not been in i'm definitely going to be weaker at uh peak level of pressing strength is definitely lower just due to stability so could i do a three repper on a like a barbell press or a low incline uh, press and get the same kind of numbers no i think i could probably maintain like a back offset if i was to like hop on a movement that i'm similar at like everything's not nothing's come down drastically my my, my hinges have gone up significantly my leg movements are really good my leg training is probably the best it's been from like a numbers perspective ever um my push movements are okay but they're not like peak levels of strength they're, they're not they're not worse though because i've changed the movement pattern slightly 
So for example, I'm like dead stopping and, or tapping going on the, the sterling shoulder press in comparison to like a, just a regular shoulder press just to kind of reduce that margin of error. And, uh, and then I'm using Smith machines, but I'm using, I'm doing a low incline when I started prep doing the hammer strength for the, the life fitness incline press. And so th th there's definitely areas that if I was to hop on machines, I'm weaker because I've not used that machine, but I haven't like lost 20 kilos on all pressing or 20 kilos on all pulls. I'm stronger on pulls. I'm stronger on pushes uh, on lower pushes, peak strength. I'm, I'm weaker, new movements or old movements. I would be weaker, but yeah. That's how I think it should be. You were similar, weren't you? Like there wasn't really anything that you lost strength on drastically. Like everything was up. Pushes were a bit poor towards the latter end, but nothing like bad. I just remember like you go one pin lower on the Cybex Eagle press and you'd be like, right, I'll just take an eight repper instead of a six repper this time. Yeah, it wasn't anything excessive. I think as well, yeah. like that's what I think I spoke about it before. I think if you can set up a prep and, and or the program of a prep, if you can set it up almost with movements that you know you're going to be able to maintain throughout, is a good idea to to actually assess that that strength whether whether you've maintained it, whether you've regressed, whether you've still been able to progress. I mean, it, it's one of them where you don't really want to take out like, uh, let's say dumbbell press, whatever it may be, because you're like, well, I don't need to take that out straight away, and that is completely true. But then I also think it's quite a good idea to have. A program that you know i'm not really going to have to unless for, you know unless un, unforeseen circumstances mean you have to change something it'd be nice to have a program where you know i'm not going to have to change anything throughout the entire prep and then you can yeah. really assess i think that's what i'll aim to do next time so i can really assess my strength changes throughout because otherwise you, you're going oh well yeah i've probably lost strength there but i did change it at 10 weeks out and i've progressed it since then and i did change yeah. this i did change that and it doesn't make it the most accurate. Um, but it is very difficult to do that because you don't really want to take those movements out right at the start. It's quite a difficult yeah. one. Yeah, but that's yeah. something I remember saying that like, I wish I'd have done that in like in my prep. Yeah. Right. Your question, mate. Uh, so this is from Tommy Barker, one of my clients, uh, the guy that stepped on that snake, bless him. <laughs> I got asked the question as well for him. Oh, Tommy, Tommy Barker underscore. Yeah. Sound. I wonder if it's the same question. What did he ask you? Um, when bulking, what's the need for high carbs other than like a pre and post workout meal? He's yeah. asked both of us, Tommy, what a guy. He's yeah, not only yeah. asked his coach, he's thought, you know what, I'm going to ask these questions as well. He's proper out with Tommy. He's a good lad. Yeah. They asked me, which muscles do slash did you find hardest to connect with? I'm assuming like obviously when that like, first started training. Um, um, I would pull. say most people struggle with pull to initiate. Yeah, but so. I was going to say every muscle when you first ever start. Yeah, because like everything just hurts. Like you'll do any upper body thing, any upper body movement, and you're like, oh, my arms hurt because you've got yeah. no musculature anywhere else, like, and you just don't know how to connect with it. But yeah, pull is is probably the most common for people to struggle with because you obviously you can't see your back and. I'd say it's a little bit more technical on pull in terms of like your body alignment and your elbow path and not even just your elbow path, like your upper arm path, your, the path of your humerus, like more so than pressing. You can't, especially on machines, you can't really go wrong with pressing. Whereas with pull movements, like even on machines, you can still go quite wrong. Take the question, mate. I've got a parcel at all. Sound. That's so good. Right. So, um, yeah, to, to, to carry on with Tommy's kind of question, uh, I, I agree completely. Um, this is something that I think we spoke about in the podcast before. But when I first started training, like if I was in GCSE exams and I finished early, I'd like drag my elbow along ta the table in front of me. 
and I'd like try and experiment with different kind of like positions and be like, oh, I feel my lat here or I feel like a bit more my, my upper back working. And it sounds really excessive, but just having that kind of understanding of trying to go through different movement patterns and seeing what feels better. I was always like, and this was before it was kind of common practice, but if you were to hop on like a regular lat pull down with like a double overhand grip um, and like wider than a shoulder width kind of grip, I never felt my lats. And I was always like, why is this called a lat pull down? And then when you actually understand the, the mechanisms of the lat, like you want your elbow and you upper arm kind of out in front of you and you want to be dragging it down in comparison to having that flared approach it kind of makes sense and you're more so taxing a bit more like upper back to potential mid-back musculature so i think pulls are what a lot of people struggle with um I, but at the same time as finn mentioned like I, something like the medial delts i connect insanely well with uh with my medial delts but when i first started training if i was to do a dumbbell lateral raise i don't think i felt a dumbbell lateral raise till i was probably 19 maybe five years into training and it was where i literally i think i worked up to like the 14s or 16s and i was like god my delts are still shit and I remember, I think I went down to like the sixes and I was like sat on the bench and I was holding on the top for like three seconds. I was going for like a five second eccentric. I was really trying to focus on pulling with my elbow instead of just my hand. I was driving with my pinky finger and it was like, right, I actually feel my medial delts now. So there's always been times like even now, like my left lat, I don't reconnect as well with and as comparison to my right. I still connect well with it. Finn, you have a bit of an issue, don't you? If you're, you're like opposite sides of your back trying to connect yeah. well and it's it's normal if i'm honest like there's certain body parts that you'll just connect really well with there's some that you just won't the the longer and the better you are from like a training standpoint the the, the better and you're easier you're going to be more and more efficient at switching those muscle groups on so yeah we'll um we'll go into uh the his question that he asked me so double whammy this is literally tommy all you need to do whammy. is skip to this part whammy. of the podcast yeah skip to this part of the podcast listen and then just click off be right question's done sound see you later um right so when bulking What's the need for high carbs other than the pre and post workout meals? Well, to be honest, like you know, try and prioritize the majority of them around pre and post, but you're going to get to a point where you can't really just push them any higher. So, if you're let's say like we've pushed Tommy's carbs quite high, um, but let's imagine you're on like 600 or more carbs, like realistically you're not going to want to have 300 pre and 300 post let's say or 200 pre 200 post and 100 intro or whatever it may be like because not only will that be a bit of an issue sort of from a digestion standpoint but also you're probably going to feel a little bit shit throughout the rest of the day in regards to energy levels and you're going to be spiking your blood sugar levels massively just around those meals and that's beneficial when you're dieting, when it comes to a, a diet phase and you're trying to absolutely maximize your training performance is to utilize all of your carbs around training or most of them around training. But when you're bulking, when you're trying to grow and you need more food, you're going to have to spread them out across the day because nobody really in the right mind wants to be eating 300, 400 carbs before the train and likewise 300, 400 carbs shortly after they train. Um, I think, you know, there's only a, to an extent as well, there's, there's only going to be a certain point where we can sort of store enough glycogen to actually benefit from it. So just continuing to eat more and more and more, you're only actually going to feel probably worse for it. Um, so spreading it out a little bit more throughout the day can be beneficial from that standpoint as well. But I don't think like there's any real sort of benefit to necessarily you know keeping them low outside of those meals like it's just a case of the more food you're on the more that you're gonna have to spread them out it's not like oh well i'm on a thousand carbs i can't have any throughout the rest of the day because i'm maximizing training it's just more that you know the, the more you get on 
the let's say the more they're going to be spread out that i think a good a good way to think of it is the leaner the the less food you're on the less carbs you're on the greater percentage is going to be around your training window yeah do you agree yeah completely mate yeah i think uh it really depends like some people get on better with higher fats proteins usually going to be a fairly similar position but in turn i think there's going to be benefits like especially if in a dieting phase it's obviously going to be dependent but gaining phases as you mentioned that there's going to get to a point where you're going to have carbohydrates high in a meal one or meal five whatever it's going to be so yeah uh, i agree every meal is going to end up having a good amount in like yeah, yeah like exactly. that, that amount of energy and that amount of calories to grow yeah and like Finn mentioned, nobody wants to be having 400, imagine 400 grams of carbs pre, 400 grams of carbs post. So 600 grams of Frosties pre, and Shit, then four times eight, your eight bagels, eight bagels with like 50 grams of jam in each. <laughs> imagine, cool. shocking. So yeah, uh, right. Do you want to go for your question, mate? You know what I will say, uh, guys, look, people listen, I'm waiting for a car delivery. I'm getting a rental car. It still hasn't come. It's between three and four. Hasn't come. So, so when do you need to go? Whenever the car comes, like it's not come yet. Okay. Ten minutes late. Um, this is from Mr. Personal Trainer. Right. What is your upper limit for cardio and steps that you would prescribe for a client or yourself? Thank you. No, thank you. No. Yeah, if they say thank you, you have to say thank you. Thanks for the question, Mr. Personal Trainer. Um, completely depends on the goal, where they're at. It does, but I still push. do think there would be a level. There is, there isn't. Yeah, I personally think, like, let's say steps. Let's just break it down. Let's have, we'll agree upon. I reckon steps. We both say what fifteen thousand is a maximum that we'd probably set. I'd say I mean, fifteen to twenty. Twenty, yeah. like for people yeah. who have got busy jobs. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I've had clients on 20,000 steps, but that's because they're doing 17,000 steps every day on work. And that's literally just 3,000 steps of a walk, you know, that added on top. But if they're a regular sedentary, like office job, I wouldn't really go above 15,000. I wouldn't be expecting them to do any more than that. Um, And that would probably be on a non-training day. Training days, I mean, same kind of goals could be set, but I'd argue maybe a little bit lower. I like like a 12 and a half and then 15,000 probably max if it's above due to work and stuff, so be it. Cardio. I like the idea. I know you have a few people, like you said, Slater on every day. Um, I think that could be relevant. I'd quite like to imagine on lower sessions, especially from like a performance kind of maintenance like threshold, you'd want um, like probably to keep cardio away from the lower session, ideally, if if possible. So I, 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 I agree. Like we yeah. literally, this is a week and a half out that we've added that in just to yeah. push a little bit harder. But so I wouldn't I'd say like, five to... in the whole time through, and I wouldn't really want to. Yeah, I'd say five to six times a week cardio would be from frequency perspective. I also think as well we have to take into consideration what kind of cardio is it? Is he on the bike? Is it? A, is it a stairmaster? What's the duration like? Duration wise, rest day, an hour tops. I mean, it could be more. It could be split up. I wouldn't want to do ever. I wouldn't ever set a client more than an hour in a consistent position. So I wouldn't be like, right, do seventy-five minutes of cardio. I then I'd probably be saying, right, split it up, split it up. Like do and do forty-five and then thirty or forty, whatever. You know what I mean? Like the outcome, what you want. But even then, I'd say that's excessive. Um, personally, I don't think I've ever set above fifty minutes from one. I don't think I've set an hour uh, before. So forty-five to an hour, I'd say for duration. And that's dependent on the actual piece of cardio equipment. And then likewise, relative like heart rate to calories burnt. So like you say, it's so dependent. Like if, if you're thinking yeah. about someone who's like, imagine the client comes to you at four weeks out and says, and, and they're miles off and they're like, oh, yeah. mate, I want to, I want to compete. And you're like, 
you probably try and turn them away from it first but if they're like no i really want your help and i really want to compete then like these these might go out the window because you have to be yeah, exactly extreme. so i think it, it, it's very hard like you say to to say but as a proper like, as an a coaching rule book. yeah depends on the the goal and for some people you might have them on one hour in the morning, one hour in the evening, 20,000 steps, depending on their yeah. job. Like that's very rare and you wouldn't really want that to happen, but it might be a situation where that happens. I think a good answer to this is whatever is needed. Like yeah. there isn't really a point where obviously there is, you wouldn't want to be 24 hours a day, etc. but there isn't really going to be that much of an upper limit because it's just going to depend on the scenario and how much they actually need. Um, so yeah, it's quite hard to say, but like we said, those kind of basic, those kind of base variables for most people, are going to be 15 to 20,000 steps probably and maybe an hour of cardio a day or five or six times a week as, as a kind of maximum for for a, a, a normal scenario but even then that's that's high yeah yeah i agree and then you also have to understand intake like we're not even talking about intake like if we got asked what's the lowest amount of food that you could go on again that's a completely different like rabbit hole that we could literally delve into but in reality, as, as Finn said, like pretty much as much or as little as needed. Ideally, you'd have as little as needed. That's what the thought process yeah. should be. It's not probably as much. It's as little. Literally, get the response you want with the least amount of work getting done. Spot on. That's that what we want. Right. Um, next one. We've got Stan Warner. Biggest mental barrier with training. Good question. I like this. That is a good question. Um... Uh, I would say, um, and this this doesn't really relate that much to myself, but I think this is what maybe relates to a lot of people, is putting too much pressure on it. Uh, people almost forget to actually enjoy it, and, and they almost forget that if they enjoy it more, they're probably going to get better results. So people will go in and look at their logbook numbers, let's say, and they put that much pressure on themselves that they're, they're anxious all morning about it, and, and then they actually can't manage that anxiety and they can't channel it if you can channel that and if you enjoy that part of training which i know a lot of people do then it's great yeah like i enjoy you know putting pressure on myself to go in and, and have to get it done and I, I like that but i know a lot of people actually almost like crumble under that pressure so i would say the greatest barrier for a lot of people is probably especially at the level like that i'm thinking about where you, you're trying to maximize what you're doing and, and train at a high level is that people just put way too much pressure on it and often that leads to poorer performance a lot of the time, you probably just need to compose yourself a lot, go into your sets, breathe, take your time, calm yourself down to actually be able to perform a lot better. More often than not, people go in like overly aroused with too much pressure and then they'll, they'll lose out on a set and then they hate, they hate training. Oh, that's a shit session. Like, and they beat themselves up for the rest of the day and they can't really sort of compartmentalize the difference between being in and out of the gym and having good and bad sessions. Just everything is good or bad whether it's in and out of the gym. And, and I think that comes a lot down to, to too much pressure on yourself. Obviously we put pressure on ourselves because a lot of it, even alongside our job, like, you know, it is, you know, there is pressure on it for us for competing, for getting clients, for making good progress. But that pressure is only there on ourselves. And we, we wouldn't put that pressure on ours if we didn't enjoy it. And also we wouldn't be in this job or in this industry if we didn't enjoy it. But I think a lot of people kind of maybe don't enjoy it, but they do it because it's, maybe the in thing to be anxious for a set or whatever it may be, but they actually don't benefit from it. So I would say that, but that's not necessarily me, but more so what I've seen and with clients. Can I, can I just be honest and say, I think you're probably overthinking that. And I just think a lot of people do, don't be a pussy and enjoy the hard stuff. That's literally what I'd say. 
Like, yeah, it's a mental barrier. Mate, how many... Okay, could you take a hack squat to failure in the first couple of years? No. I'm like, thinking what that's what I just said, though. I'm thinking at, like, a, a higher level. I don't think... I think you... How can you get to a higher level if you haven't even got past the basics? No, but the I'm thinking of it on a higher level. Pardon? I'm just thinking of it on a higher level. No, I think for the vast majority of people, either listening or for the people that, like, if you go off actual, the biggest, the biggest mental barrier, which was the question... It's literally just not. Well, then it could go even easier and go make sure you get to the gym. No, I don't. Make sure you get out of bed in the morning because people. That's going a bit too like. You went here, (laughs) I went here, and then you just kind of delve into like the absolute basics. Make sure, make sure you wake up and make sure you wake up and you brush your teeth and then you have a liter of water. Like, but that's not really to do with training. No, okay. Make sure you have your pre-workout meal. That's what it is. Yeah, I think there's no, levels to be to fair, it. yeah, you could you could break this down. There's there's plenty of mental barriers. Um, I just think a lot of people need to break the actual basics down of what weight training is. It's a weight, it's a resistance against a force. That's all it is. Like no need to real overthink. Just get after it. Pretty much. I don't see that as a barrier, though. Mm. You know what but I mean? I, I do because obviously we have yeah. like we see loads of clients, and it's like you you've got more in you, so it, it is. But I don't think it's necessary that people. Don't, aren't getting after it it's almost that they don't know the level that they can train at yeah you know what i mean like yeah yeah but i, I know that that is for, for most people for the vast majority that is true but i think for people who are trying to train at a higher level which i assume most people who listen to this are i would generally say that a lot of the time people maybe put too much pressure on themselves yeah no fair enough right your question mate was it yeah i think so uh, any books, courses, podcasts you would recommend to improve bodybuilding slash coaching? Oh, um, grand selection of books. Let me just go out and get oh, my really, Arnold Encyclopedia of Bodybuilding. Uh, I'll just get that out and quote uh, page sixty-four and saying that um, you need to. What's what's what did Arnold say? The pump is like coming. Fantastic yeah, man, that. Yeah, that's what I say to all my clients. And they're like, oh, I really enjoyed this week. And I'm like, yeah, I know you did. But you know, when you got a pump, you feel like you were coming. They're like, yeah, fantastic coaching, right? Check in, done. See you next week. Um, but no, um, books, if I'm honest, there's not many books. I mean, Scott Stevenson's got a book, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I've heard very good things about that. I haven't personally read it. Um, when it comes to courses, um, you know what? I'm actually, I was looking at the, you know that um, John Jewett, J3 University? There's a, they, they do like monthly enrollments. I'm thinking about, it's like 425 pounds. I was actually thinking about literally buying it so I can watch it when I do cardio. Um, I actually quite like the idea. I like anything like that. The vast majority of my spare time. Um, I listen to one podcast a day. Um, I just work through like a selection of podcasts. So I've listened to every single no switch fitness podcast. I've listened to all the muscle mentors ones. Uh, so that's my way of kind of learning currently when i was starting out it was more so youtube videos uh, the, the the problem is youtube now there's a lot of actually better individuals out there but there's a lot of crap on youtube like a lot of shit so you have to kind of know who to watch but youtube podcasts uh, whether that's like spotify or on youtube on itself or like um likewise mem- members websites i'm a member of the physique collective one and then likewise the jp uh, one so they've got some great videos more so that's the pd kind of sections both of them if i'm honest there's not really there's still stuff to take from for natural training and likewise training in general um like the forums on both of those are classed like i, I read through them if i'm if i've got a spare minute or whatever um but there's plenty of resources available to you 
you online and likewise people that you follow on Instagram. If you go and follow all the top coaches out there, like you'll no doubt pick up things and you'll go, okay, cool. That's their rationale. That's what they think about that. How can I infer that to my own training? Um, but yeah, if we were to recommend anything, is there anything that you would kind of highlight as like a, a non-negotiable? Like we've said before on the podcast, like we've literally probably watched the vast majority of YouTube videos from 2013 to probably 2021. Like, you know what I mean? Like I've probably watched the vast majority of podcasts here and there, you know? Yeah, I think in terms of like, you're always going to favor some some people as well. Like I'd say there is a, a bit of a bias behind it. So like, for example, like you obviously saying like the Physique Collective, like obviously we know who that is and obviously we know that they produce good content, but a lot of people might not know who they are. And yeah. they might follow other people who also produce good content. So I think there is a bias behind it. So obviously, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say just take one person's advice or just a couple of people's advice. Take, you know, a lot of information from different places and obviously have your own opinion as well. Because a lot of the time, like even for us, we make decisions based on anecdote and based on experience a lot of the time. It's not always got to be because this research study says so or because this person says so. Like a lot of the time you can over like over the, the time spent coaching, especially because I was asked about coaching, like you can make decisions based solely on experience. Like when I first started, for example, like every client that I set up, I was doing the Harris Benedict formula to, to calculate their calories and then yeah. and the macros. And now like I literally just go from experience, from how they look, from their um, application and their you know their daily lifestyle and how I expect them to train based on their photos and stuff and more often than not it's very very accurate to where we want the, the macros to be and likewise if it's not then we change it like, you know it's not a problem um, but yeah I would say people like Brad Schoenfeld uh, Eric Helms those kind of guys like the team 3DMJ they're all good um, Scott Stevenson like you said uh, even like, obviously, I think it's good to take different different parts of, of knowledge and, and learning from different people. So like, for example, like JP puts out a good amount of, of educational content. But I, don't, I would argue that just how he trains and his training intensity is, is the main valuable sort of the, or the main value you can take from his content is how hard yeah. he trains and, and his insight into training and his passion for training. But then you've got other people who, you know, probably don't train anywhere near as hard who maybe provide different kind of educational content and it, you might take something from them and something from someone else. So there's, there's always, you know, going to be loads of resources, but like you say, it's a case of, you know, actually sort of fishing through the, the good and the bad and actually having your own opinion on things as well and thinking critically about things. Don't just because you've read something doesn't mean it's true or because you've listened to one podcast and then you maybe listen to others that contradict it doesn't mean the first one is necessarily correct or the second one is necessarily correct. Like there's, there's so much, gray area in the industry oh, yeah. if you literally got if you went and got mike israel here and then you so you go JP. through and then you literally get jp and the, the funny thing is their thought processes are incredibly similar but the way they go about things is completely different and if you were to either listen are to, right or wrong like this yeah. is what people you, like and then you have like let's say joe jeffrey and his training philosophies in the middle it's almost a perfect blend between the reps and reserve approach and then the 
go balls to the wall, zero reps in reserve, everything taken to failure kind of approach. And then you come to the agreement that like training hard, training with good intensity or perceived intensity relative to effort, like that is going to be a driver of progress, but it's just construed in different ways. So for example, with like Mike, he'll start a mesocycle with three RAR and then he progresses from two to one. And Mike trains really, really hard still. Like he trains very well. It's just volume sessions are shorter. There's there's no screaming. It's very like it's full range of motion and everything. Where you see JP, if you watch JP vids from three years ago, form is not the best on some movements. Execution, like I said, probably a bit off. Intensity is ridiculous. Like forced reps here and there. Like it's a completely different ball game. And if you were just to watch them from a visual standpoint, you'd say this is completely different. You then listen to them on podcasts and you go, they have completely different thought processes. But in reality, they're fairly similar. You just kind of have to. Are the same, just how yeah, you, you have to underpin the mechanisms of what's yeah. going to be productive. That's why I quite like I like Matt Janssen from a, from a coaching standpoint because if you actually listen to what he says, it's literally form, he nails execution, and gets his guys to train hard. Like, and that's what he like if you, simple, any though. podcast he's on anything it, he doesn't go into detail he just says i assess execution i get my guys to train hard like listen to any podcast and you get any and that's all he mentions like if it comes to just training and how to optimize and grow like obviously we'll go into pd side of things but the basics for him is just that and i like i really like that approach because there's no over like over complicating it and trying to reinvent the wheel and do this do that it's literally get your execution on point train hard grow it is that simple really like you can go into volume and everything like that but I think once you get to a point, especially, you know, at that kind of level, your volume is going to dictate itself. You're going to know if you're doing too much or you could maybe do more. But yeah, yeah it is. It's a shame, really. There's so much out there. Like you say, it is really that, that simple. Like if you can nail your form and then just get stronger over time, like you're yeah. going to grow. And people overcomplicate it thinking, oh, am I doing this right? Am I doing that right? And it's basically if you're doing those basics, you're probably going to be growing. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Right, I got a good question. Uh, this might be the last one that is actually decent. I'll have, have a read through, but um, this came through as I refreshed just then. It's actually a good one. Top three favorite pieces of equipment ever. Quite like this. I like anything ever. that puts a bit of a ever. Yeah, it has to be ever. So, unfortunately, the Matrix dual arm row can't be having that, which is a big shame. Probably the best dual arm row. Have we agree? Game. Have we got to agree on three? Um. I don't know about agree. We we can we can we can go from one. So, yeah, top three favorites. I almost want to split this up: one push, one pull, one lower. That's almost what I want to go from. Yeah, we can do that. Okay, so lower. I think it has to be like I, I know you'll be you won't want to say like the Cybex hack, but I think it has to be a hack, like or a leg press. It has to be like imagine you got one lower bit of kit and you're like, ah, oh, the prime leg extension. You know, yeah, like this question's so hard because are we thinking of the fate our favorite piece of kit? Are we thinking yeah. of the actual best piece of kit? No, or are we I think of, favorite. If you had one piece, what would you choose? Because they're all three different things. Yeah, I think top three favorite. Like, what's three bits of kit that you just love to get on? That you're okay. like, oh, I can't wait to get on this. That's the what true, I think. The true about. squat for me, it's fucking minimal. okay. <laughs> like, the know. true, it, it wouldn't be if I had to choose one lower body movement. It probably wouldn't be that, but and also this is going to change over time. Yeah, because the true squat is going well at the minute and it feels amazing. I'm like, yeah, true squat. But in six months' time, I might not even be doing it. So yeah, it's difficult. But that at the minute, I'd say the true squat for for lower. 
Yeah, I, you know what? I'm actually going to take away the decision. I'm not going to say a lower. I'm just going to say two uppers or to like a two pushes. I'm just going to go for, I'll go for like a, um, I never know. If we're going for a push, I'll leave my lower. Well, I'm not even picking a lower. I'm going to pick two, two, like literally three upper body bits of kit and just go, fuck it. Who needs legs? So yeah, what's your push? What, what, we, what are you going for for a push? It's difficult because we've not done the priming climb for long enough to be like, oh yeah, priming no. climb. I like um, the priming climb though. Yeah, it's nice. But I almost think like, it sounds fucking boring, but I almost feel like a Smith machine, just like a Smith I was machine. Thinking Smith. Like, I was thinking of yeah. You can't really go wrong. And I think again, you know, people overcomplicate things. What's the best machine? And it's like if you had a Smith machine, like you could do so much on it, obviously, but like also like you can align yourself perfectly with it. You don't have to worry about the stabilization. It feels the same as like a barbell press. So the, the level of sort of excitement and intensity is there. So yeah, I think a, a Smith is probably a good shout for like one of the obviously it's favorite exercise isn't it it's not favorite machine yeah is it favorite exercise or favorite machine no equipment favorite equipment oh smith machine yeah <laughs> you could do loads on it yeah smith do everything yeah i go i think i go smith i go nautilus shoulder press i really like that it's a shame like uh, the, the nautilus shoulder press is fantastic why don't really you have like it in because we're using the prime and it's just like it's new but I like the Nautilus shoulder press. I like the Nautilus flat press. That's my three. Like Smith Machine, Nautilus flat press, and 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 um, Nautilus shoulder press. That's it. Like real light. Cool. The Prime yeah. Extreme row, meh. Like it's all right. It's good. It's a weird one, isn't it? Like, yeah. I don't think there's anything that stands out as being excessively amazing to be like, oh, this. Yeah. So yeah, I guess the Cybex hack is good, but it's just so harsh on the at the bottom. Yeah, I would say like, if I had to choose three as of right now, the true squat, a Smith machine press, and fucking barbell for a barbell row. Yeah. <laughs> it's a challenging one. I like yeah, it changes. Like, if you were to ask me this a year ago, my answer is completely different. Like, quite you asked me. Favorite pieces of equipment, though, yeah? I like a Cybex hack. Cybex hack would be in, like, if I'm but honest. Like, the I do like a favorite pieces of equipment. What'd you say? What's the question again? Top three favorite pieces of equipment ever. Barbell, dumbbells, cable. Or cable. Yeah. There we go. We've been overcomplicating it. (laughs) Down, spot on. Right, move on. Um, Have you got any more? I've got a few more, but they're not the best. I've got a few Um, Go for it. This is from Big Perrin. Thanks for the question, mate. Are you proud and take pride in Reese? Coaching him to stage. Oh, fucking hell. On a serious note, I'd say like, yeah, obviously it's like, you'd be proud of a mate when, they, when they're competing and stepping on stage. Like, obviously, like you said, like last year, you're proud of me, but not in like a, a way of me coaching him or me even overlooking him or watching and, and making my, giving him my opinion. Like not in that kind of sense, just in a sense of like, it'll be cool to see the hard work that you've put in on stage so I'm, I'm proud of that kind of thing more so proud of the time like it's the time that you put in to grow i don't like i couldn't really care that much about the prep itself you know what i mean like yeah. I, I feel like it's more so the time beforehand that is worthy of being proud mm. you know what i mean but not really that proud Be proud of me Be not proud of me not really oh, i thought you were gonna say yeah cheers mate I, I was proud i was proud of you mate I was proud more so of that uh, that front relaxed. The front relaxed was such a good pose for Finn. 
he managed to, to pull it and he only had his hands six inches lower than he needed to. It was fantastic. I still hit it like that now, but it just looks better because I'm a bit fatter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, makes sense. But yeah, it's, it's a weird one. You, you put the work in, you don't even realise, like you don't even enjoy the moment and you, you won't, like Finn won't feel any real emotion. And even then, like even when I step on stage, it'll be sound. That was good. Like that is it. There's not proud, really as, as, as a coach, when we get that pro coach. card, mate, we'll get that pro card this year. Oh, mate, you know, you know, you know, Drew Physique. No. Message me today. Message me today, and um, big shout out to Drew. Message me saying, um, like, IFBB Pro Reese Fit, and I put it like I replied back like first year competing instant pro i said imagine i was like a few years off mate cheers and then he went and then he replied like no mate genuinely looking for not like phenomenal olympia stage is yours soon and i went like <laughs> i literally i replied back and i was like i don't know if you're being sarcastic mate or and this is the body dysmorphia talking but i was like cheers but no <laughs> like, i was like no chance and uh he was like no honestly mate and i was like wow if drew physique is saying Did you say like, to him it's all that half range pressing Honestly, my, the best my chest has ever come up is when I literally was pressing with like not full range of motion during lockdown. Can't complain. Cannot complain. Right. Um, I got a new one come through. Is it worth to hit pinch when everybody gets hurt someday or trying to progress a little <laughs> movement? <laughs> uh, no, everyone gets hurt. Every to be fair, person. it's quite a good question because it is true. <laughs> like he's literally looked at his lower back and just thought, this ain't worth it. Like he's gone into the gym, saw a hip hinge and he's gone, I just don't want this. Like, it's just not worth it. He knows one day he's going to be disabled and just be fucked. So he's like, nah, fuck it. He's probably heard a lot of people like, ah, foot my back on a deadlift, foot my back on an RDL. So he's just trying to be careful. I don't blame him. But then I'd also argue, like you could say that on anything. You know what? You just say to him, do you want to shit back? Like you get a client, I don't, I don't want to hit pinch because I, I just don't want to get injured. You're like, right, first, first week, do you want to shit back? You back first, shit. First week, you got three deadlifts across the week. Yeah. <laughs> you got an you RDL. Got bent, you got, got a bent row, you got a stiff leg, and you got an RDL. You're like, right, crack on, mate. You'll be fine. Uh, is that, so that, as a serious answer, I would say if your execution is is good, and if you're tentative with your progression and you're not just stupid and chasing numbers, then it's unlikely that you will hurt yourself. If you do, it won't be a major issue that means you're out for ages and can never do it again. Um, yeah, it's, it's not maybe not as common as it, as it seems that people will hurt themselves on it. I, 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 don't, I, don't think, I don't think it's, especially at like, I don't know who asked the question, but if, if someone who's asking the question is questioning whether or not to do a hinge, then I would argue that they're not really going to be moving enough load to put themselves at that much risk. Yeah. No, it makes sense. Even though, mate, you, you've had back issues and you've never even hinged more than 200. I know. Never got four plates. And he's like, oh, back issues. I got my back snapped in half from a 250. At least I can say it was a 251, actually. At least I can say that happened. You didn't at all, though. Nothing happened. You just stopped the set, bottled it, and were like, ah, my back. Can't do it for The worst thing is, it looked like I had one rep in reserve. That's the most annoying thing. You did. You were sound. You just didn't want it. Yeah. She didn't want it. For the next three months, she didn't want an RDL. <laughs> this is from, I've got two questions from Ewan Fisher. Should I ever go I over 1.8? Huh? I feel like I know his name, Ewan Fisher. Should I ever go over 1.8 grams per pound of body weight on a protein goal? Quite yes. high. 
1.8 grams. Oh, 1.8 per pound, per pound. That's pretty high. Yeah, that is high. So I thought he meant kg. So I was initially going to If he does yes. mean kg, then then yes, you can go over yeah. that. But I would say it's it's pretty excessive. Like almost yeah. two grams per pound is, is pretty excessive. You don't need oh, yeah, definitely. to be... Yeah, if, you're two, if you're 200 pounds, you don't need any more than 300 grams of protein. 400. And I'd, yeah, it'd be like three. It'd be like three eighty. <laughs> it yeah, it's be pretty excessive that. So I wouldn't say so. Yeah, uh, I would generally say like obviously it's very sort of it's, it's it, everybody will say oh one gram per pound, but I, I quite like a little bit more than that, regardless of gaining or dieting, um, and if anything, even a little bit more when when dieting. Um, but I like to to generally put people on a little bit more than one gram per pound. Um, yeah. I don't go off a certain amount. It's not like I'll look at their body weight and multiply it like, right, you're going to be on this. Um, no. But I like a little bit over a gram per pound, maybe even more so when, when they're in a diet phase. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, it depends. I, I'm guessing, I, I've never heard anybody say one point. Yeah, he probably, pound. maybe he does mean per kilo. Yeah. If so, yeah. You if can, so, you yeah, you can go, more. you can get away with a good amount more, but not. Yeah. Say what it's one point six to two point two, isn't it? Yeah, like the recommendation. But the problem is, is you then go off MPS and it's, it gives you a completely different outcome. So you could easily go above two point two. Yeah, it, that's what I was saying that to a client in a check-in today. I was like, obviously, total protein is important, but it's more, if anything, it's a lot more important. You know how you're actually consuming that across the day and, and how you yeah. spike MPS. Yeah, because like if you were to look at yours, your your protein, your max threshold, if it was two point two, would be literally your body weight in pounds currently. So you shouldn't be exceeding two hundred grams of protein. But if you were to then go off the the MPS model of let's say four to six meals a day, or twenty to forty grams, you're easily exceeding the two hundred gram threshold. If you were to go anything above four or five meals at like thirty to forty grams. Yeah, you know, but you could six also meals argue at forty grams is two hundred forty grams of protein. Like so, that's two hundred forty grams of complete protein. So then you argue with the, the traces, like you could maybe get away with 280 to 300 grams of protein. So yeah. I would always say, yeah, go above the goal, depending depend on a lot of factors. But if it's, if I'm honest, like I usually would start off a client on in between, like if they're, let's say hundred kilos, probably start them off at 220 around there. And if they need more protein, work your protein up. It's one of those things that you can literally just gauge how you feel and how you recover. And do you think, could you get benefit from more protein? If so, have more protein. Yeah, I do think like generally most people will benefit from overshooting because yeah. there's not going to be that, or really, if any, uh, negative sort of, there's not going to be any negatives of slightly over-consuming protein. Like, yeah, you might not be utilizing that protein towards gaining muscle, but it's still going to be um, providing you with energy and it's it's going to be very difficult to convert that protein into fat. Like, it's unlikely that you're going to actually store it as body fat. So. I would generally say, you know, go a little bit over that sort of one gram per pound or 1.6 to 2.2 grams per kilo. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. That's all good. Uh, right. Do you think bodybuilding is a sport? Yeah, I guess if a sport is, you know, uh, anything where people compete against each other to come out on top and be a winner or a loser, then that is bodybuilding still. Yeah. No, but I, I, well, I don't know. I, it's a bit of a weird one. Isn't it? You, you could be like, oh, a competitive bodybuilding, because a lot of people will call themselves a bodybuilder, but they don't actually compete because, in reality, they are building their body. They're trying to get bigger, and 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 that is, I guess, the the definition of bodybuilding is to try and build your body up. 
So you wouldn't not say you're a footballer though if you're playing six aside, would you? I'd class myself as a bowler. Yeah, you would. Of course, you would. But yeah, yeah I know what you mean. Like you say, would 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 uh, you wouldn't class yourself as a bodybuilder? Like if you weren't, would you, would you class yourself as a bodybuilder if you weren't a pro bodybuilder? Yeah. Like I got asked if I was a bodybuilder today. My car got picked up. And they go, you're and they go, you're a rugby player, and I go, no. And they go, you're a bodybuilder, and I went, no, nah, I'm a physique competitor. I'm skinny. I was like, I said, I'm competing at the back end of the year, actually, September 26th. Um, but no, they actually mentioned that to me, and I, they they said, I said, I was like, oh, I am actually competing. And they're like, so you're a bodybuilder? I'm like, no, nah, not really. I was like, I do physique. I said, it's skinny uh, bodybuilding. And they're like, oh, okay, makes sense, makes sense. And uh, I even the guy asked, can I touch your pet? And I went, nah. <laughs> Really? What the fuck? Yeah. Hey, even though picking my car up, so we stood here and he just goes like, he's like, wow, look at the size of you. And I was like, oh, cheers, mate. And he's like, can I, can I? And I was like, nah. They <laughs> <laughs> don't know what to say. I'm not going to be like, yeah, go for it, bro. Yeah. Sure. I just looked at him and just kind of laughed and went, nah. But then also, no, saying no seems a bit weird because it's like, well, why? <laughs> yeah. I don't know why, can't I? And I'm like, yeah, you know, it's just a bit weird. Like, nah, why? Why can't? No, more <laughs> so. I just am. I've done my cardio. I've gone for a walk. So I'm like still quite sweaty. I was about to hop in the shower and then they come and pick my car up and I'm just like, oh, you know, going out. And then, then like you're getting, it's like, mate, just get the car. I need, I, like, I got check-ins to do, mate. Do you know, do you know how many check-ins I got today? Like, please, I need to crack on. Like I'm listening to a WhatsApp voice now and they're like, you're out, mate. I'm like, yeah, just, just get back to a check-in, please. Give me some time. <laughs> so busy. Yeah, it's just so busy, mate. Right, that's me done. I got asked a few more, like how train your arms with big volume on bulk. So that's the choice. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got another one. How many sets you do to back on and peck on bulk? <laughs> like, I don't know, like Edu Edu Caress, that's who he's asked. So, oh, so to answer yeah, he said, yeah, I feel like I've kind of made him a bit of a, a joke out of him there, so I won't. His English probably isn't too great. Um, I train my arms with bigger volume on a bulk. Mm, I mean, you can get away with slightly higher volume because recovery capability is going to be in a better spot. I was training my biceps four times a week, so that was every session. Uh, and then how many sets do I do for back and pec on bulk? I don't really know, 10 to 12. Per, per, it depends on per week, per session, like, you know. Depends, doesn't it? I think people, like, I find it crazy that people, like, properly monitor their volume, like, insanely closely. Yeah. Like, for me, like, I have it set, and if I can do a bit more, then I'll do a bit more. Like, you know, if, if, I'm, if I'm feeling like I can recover and I can actually perform well, and if I don't, like, for example, I've loads of times been like, oh, I could maybe add a set here. I'll do the set, and it's obviously, like, with less load, and it just ends up being a bit shit. I'm like, oh, probably no point in adding that set in. So I think people overthink it. Focus on your intensity, focus on your execution and and just getting getting strong. Don't overthink your volume. Yeah, I agree. Right. That's me done, mate. Any questions to conclude or is that everything? I've got two more, mate. Are you done? Have you got to go though? No, let me just look outside the window. I want to make sure the car's not here. Completely forgot we are on a podcast and just left it silent for a few seconds. Reese has gone. I'm not going to pause this. Um, for anybody watching on YouTube, I seem to have got something in my eye. So uh, I was just dabbing my eye with, with, my, uh, with my T-shirt. <laughs> While Reese is gone, I might as well do these questions. Back. Mate, I completely forgot we are on the podcast and I just let you go. And I was just like, 
didn't say anything. Completely forgot. And I was dabbing my eye because I got something in my eye. But I've explained it to the listeners, so don't worry. Anyway, another one from you and Fisher. How often do you change pull, push, leg setup? So what, the actual setup of the, the exercises? It's always put, mate. How often do you change pull, push, leg setup? I got asked the question like this uh, the other the other week, and I kind of gave a bit of a like a blunt outline, but I just said uh, as little as possible. I don't think I've ever changed my meso unless I'm changing my complete training approach to like the rotation of sessions. So basically, I've never in my entire life that I can remember since I've trained well ever just decided right I'm going to do a brand new training meso, but in the same frequency per week and change everything. It literally is adaptive on a week to week, month to month to year to year kind of scale so for example i've been training at four times week frequency now for about a year like it was just after your show that we transitioned wasn't it so coming up to about a year like 10 months so in those 10 months i never switched to a brand new approach of like movements it was literally a sense of right i've gone from doing a push pull lower rest upper lower to going to a upper lower upper lower Therefore, I combined the pull and the push session. I made a few manipulations here and there, but the bulk majority of the exercises stayed the same. So I still kept in a hip hinge. It wasn't where I like, I was like, right, I'm now going to do, instead of a hip hinge, I'm going to do, or I'm going to do another hip hinge, but I'm going to do three working sets and let's say a different rep range or whatever it's going to be. The transition stays fairly similar. And that's something that I always try and preach to clients is like, there will be merit to sometimes switching a training approach and going for a new meso. But even then the actual intricacies of the meso should stay fairly similar for what's worked in the past. And I would never be like, right, brand new training meso, 20 new exercises that you have to learn. I'd much rather say, right, if a movement's not going well, that's when it will get switched out. And therefore you can run a movement and run an exercise and therefore a split for its natural kind of course until it needs to be taken out because it has some negative feedback attached to it. So yeah, like for example, if I was to break down my training since we came out of like lockdown, because that would actually be quite a good example. It was literally a sense where my session stayed exactly the same. They just got moved for better alternatives for that exercise. And then those exercises have been kept in for the longest duration until they're needed. And some exercises are still in. So when it comes to time frame, I would never switch anything around because what happens is it's very easy to get to a point where you actually start training properly. You've established a neurological connection. You've got a better connectivity kind of with that movement pattern. Then it becomes quite challenging to progress. And because you might not be on it with every variable you're not progressing so it's a natural thought process to be like right i need to change when in reality you need to assess what's outside of the gym that's impacting your progression in the gym and your movement should stay fairly similar good answer mate i agree cheers mate glad to glad to know but yeah i really dislike those kind not that question because i don't think it's a bad question at all but i hate the thought process of just making it's the one pet peeve i have I think a lot of people almost do it more so out of enjoyment like they they don't they'd probably know it's not optimal but they're just like right new meso means i'm going to change this this and this and it's like you really don't need to like like you said exactly like i'll have i'll have clients will go into a new meso nothing changes we only go into it maybe because we've done a, a deload or a d volume or yeah. whatever whatever reason we maybe go into one sometimes we make changes week four into a seven week meso sometimes yeah. we will make changes week one week two like completely doesn't really there's no sort of outline to exactly what we do it's just completely dependent as, mm-hmm. as we go along as to what needs adjusting and, and 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 then we go as it is we don't think oh new meso means change x y and z mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I think that's more so 
again, it's like a fashionable thing. People want to do that because it maybe looks looks good or it's more enjoyable, but it's probably not the best. No, it's definitely not the best thing to do. Yeah, Ready I for do. the final one? Final question of episode 18, guys. Buckle up. So this is from Radu Popescu. Mate, he was the one who asked me about the hip hinge. <laughs> was it? Yeah. But how to Legend. avoid elbow and knee joints uh, problems. This guy's battered. <laughs> During your career. This guy's fucked, bro. He's just done. He's got injuries everywhere. So generally, I would, first of all, assess your execution. More often than not, your elbows and your knees are, are probably going to be taking like unnecessary strain if your execution is not great. Like, even like little things like if you're not aligning a movement correctly, um, like a press, for example, um, or a leg press. Like if you're letting your knees cave in, your, your knees are going to be taking more strain. Um, so yeah, focus on your alignment and your execution. Uh, generally, focus on being in control of the load. Like obviously, it's all well and good to get strong and be chucking, you know, a lot of weight about. But if you're not in control of that load, um, you're going to be putting a lot of that stress again through your joints. So if you're bouncing out the bottom of a squat or bouncing out the bottom of a press. Again, a lot of that is going to go onto your joints rather than trying to keep the, the stimulus through the target muscle. Then you could look at things like preventative measures, um, like using elbow sleeves, knee sleeves. They're not going to completely prevent you from you know, running into niggles, but they're going to likely you know, warm the joint up and give you a bit more sort of support there, even if it is just psychologically having a bit more support there. But still, you know, wearing knee sleeves isn't going to take away from having a horrendous leg press or, you know, wearing elbow sleeves isn't going to take away from your, your elbow angle being awful on a, on a shoulder press. But they can help um, just warmth the area. And then you can look at things like, you know, using joint formulas to, to help once they are occurring. But I, I, I don't mind people using joint formulas. I don't think it's a bad idea, but I do think it's, it, it's just it's simply just an, an anti-inflammatory so you're not actually you know reducing the issue you're, you're if anything you're just putting a plaster over the issue and just carrying on which again you know when you're training at a high level and you're getting strong probably isn't a bad idea because you know your goals are probably going to outweigh you know a bit of pain in your elbows and your knees um again it comes down to the level that you're at and the level you want to push yourself to you could just argue don't do any heavy pressing don't do any heavy leg work and every time you feel any kind of pain at all, you know, take two weeks off training. And then, yeah, you're going to probably be, you know, injury-free all through your career, but you're probably also not going to really build any muscle, which is probably what you wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. Spot on, mate. All good. Happy with that. So, yeah, he doesn't want to hit pinch and he's got elbow. No hit pinches, joints. no leg presses or upper body presses, just rows. Yeah. Actually, no rows because you might hurt your elbows yeah exactly yeah so if we're going to give him anything i think banded movements i mean there's there's going to be minimal eccentric loading so only concentric really holds on contraction like just get a good pump and you, you'll be fine poppy or to be pop, fair pop. we're not we're not taking the piss i feel like <laughs> no no that comes across radu, radu. sarcastic yeah but that yeah that's the thing but people re- listen to that especially him and think god these guys are, are balanced no i don't want people we're to think that we're like directing it at him as an individual because we're not yeah no yeah that's all good mate appreciate the questions to, to both me and finn uh and that is another episode of the once you're in your own podcast believe it or not guys we said four o'clock we would go to is now 53 minutes past four because the car that had been 
said to be delivered between three and four hasn't been delivered and i have plans this evening which is uh, not ideal now i don't think i'm gonna have my sunbed which is annoying um but i might just be late i'll probably be late and just add the sunbed can't can't be too long but no um other than that guys uh, again thank you guys for listening if you got to the end of the podcast uh, if you have any questions feel free every tuesday we put up a question box uh, usually early to late morning uh, so feel free to ask us then uh, as it gives us a lot of content to go through in the podcast and then it gives you guys a chance to, to ask me some questions again as mentioned earlier we will be on parents podcast so that'll be on his instagram we'll share that to our stories so if you're just dying for more once you're in your in podcast without the once you're in your in tag go and watch that but no uh, other than that guys hopefully everyone's doing well appreciate the story tags as always and we'll catch you guys in the next episode <laughs>